Welcome to The Sheeple Show. This is the podcast where we try and understand what is actually going on in the world. My name is Andy Marley. And I'm Matt Smith, although you probably know a much more famous version. Let's do this. No, there's just fucking murder. <laughs> is it all they know? Like the tale of the scorpion and the frog. The scorpion has no reason to stab the frog mid-ocean. They both die, but he does it anyway because he's a scorpion. That's not a real scorpion, though. What is it? A fake scorpion? It's it's a, it's a it's a story. It's not real. My my first scorpion I had Ebony. She um, so there was that once I, I had her in a tank, obviously, and I, I took her out the tank to clean the tank. That's not the actual size of her, is it? Oh no, no, that's just where my hands are. No, she was tiny. Right. I was going to say you're a bit of a loony if you got yeah. big. So, no, she was an emperor scorpion. Oh. This. That's why I've got scorpion tattoos. People always think it's to do with star signs. No, it's because I fucking love scorpions. I hate them. They're so, so evil. Um, so, Ebony, there was this one time I took her out of a tank to clean a tank, and I used to put her in a like, little sort of Tupperware box, but I left the lid off because she wasn't going to go anywhere because she was well-behaved. And there was this wasp flew in through my window. It was flying around. And it was bothering me. It was getting in the way and pissing me off. And all I heard was like, and Ebony had stabbed it midair with a tail and then brought a tail down and then ripped it apart and started eating it while I was cleaning the tank out. <laughs> she sat there eating this fucking wasp like she ripped it apart in her claws. Yeah. Eating this wasp. I don't think Bruno would have got on too well with a scorpion. No, this was before Bruno. This was long before Bruno. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there's got to be a conflict of interest there where obviously the scorpion's hunting everything that isn't you because you're big. Yeah. <laughs> And you give it food anyway, so it's not hungry enough to try and tackle the tower. Well, that's that was the um, at first that was the only bad thing was because they eat live food. So I also had a tub full of crickets and locusts, and they make noise. Yeah, and so they're gross. That was kind of annoying. The scary little buggers just boing, gone. Yeah, but yeah, no, there's a few times where Ebony would like just grab flies out of the sky and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's really cool, but it's also one terrifying. Other, one of my other ones, Betty, she was huge, like massive. Even for an emperor, she was massive. And um, she used to do this weird thing where she'd sort of like, she'd kind of stand on a tail because uh, the tank had bars at the top so you could easily drop food in. And when she was hungry, she used to lean back on her tail and grab the bars with the pincers and kind of shake them. <laughs> Fucking feed me, you bastard! That's scary. And she was huge. She was yeah. Big. No, they're, they're scary. They're, I'm, I'm unconvinced. The biggest Emperor Scorpion I've ever seen, man. No. No, eject. <laughs> I can't. I don't, like... When it comes to the more primal stuff, like uh, snakes or scorpions, even like giant spiders and stuff, why? Why? Why do you want that as a pet? Why? <laughs> they are, and they're also completely and utterly like the kings of their native environment. So taking them out of it is just like taking the spider out of the spider. It's a bit weird. 
I'm, I'm the same with crocodiles and alligators, man. Don't fuck with them. No, of course not. Yeah, the killing machines. They, yeah, they they have been around unchanged for millennia for a reason. Yeah, I think <laughs> I remember reading somewhere that sharks are older than trees. That's mad, isn't it? <laughs> Fuck it. Again, they're killing machines. I I was having this conversation with someone at work earlier, actually, this afternoon. Um, sharks. It's been proven, I can't remember how they did it, but it's been proven that sharks do not like the taste of humans. Fair enough. And it's been proven that. So that's why most people who get attacked by a shark, they get bitten once, and then that's it. The shark sort of swims up with, (laughs) and then runs off. But alligators and crocodiles, they fucking love us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And to be honest, they're going to death roll you anyway, just to find out. <laughs> so, you know. That was that recent video of the woman at the zoo when she uh, got a hand in an alligator and it just starts rolling straight away. Oh, right. Oh, and the, they all had to sort of get in and get on top of it. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I think we told, we spoke about this, didn't we, about the, yeah. uh, the, the creepy kid. Because you look at that little boy, because you can hear a little girl crying, but you look at the little boy in that video, he's smiling. He's watching that and smiling. Yeah, that is creepy. That kid needs to be watched. (laughs) Yeah. It's like that uh, meme of the fire girl, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How is one then, Mr. Smith? Are you okay? Uh, I am indeed marvellous. Marvellous. Splendid. You're coping in the uh, the social media blackout? I didn't know there was one. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not that married to social media. I'm rather repulsed by it in some ways. I've been sending uh, messages to someone on WhatsApp all day, not knowing that it's down, that it's not working properly. So as soon as it starts working, there's going to be like 50-odd messages. Well, the thing is, the blackout... When I found out that it wasn't working, I just started sending loads of messages, knowing that she's going to get them all at the same time. Yeah. It's literally just a string of letters that make no sense. Boom, 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 boom. You should have sent a cipher and a code and a whole thing, like, you know. It's <laughs> a detective puzzle for when it's back online. That's great, great. Actually, yeah, I really should have done that. I might do that in a minute, actually. Yeah, no, I used it at, like, midday to get my lift up. And then I was fine. Like, that was it. You know? So, if it was a blackout, per se, it's a pretty crap one, because it's not even, like, the whole day. It's not even all of them, either. It's just it's anything that's owned by Facebook. Ah, suspicious noises. Mm. It's because they, they've run out of FBI agents to listen to everyone. Well, that, and I remember they're in a lot of trouble at the moment for... Uh, having their fact checkers and all that kind of stuff boy fact checker that's a job i could do is it how would you do it would you use the internet yeah yeah no yeah um basically anything that i have to check i just go to straight to infowars (laughs) if alex jones says it's true yeah that is a joke, by the way, listeners. I can't stand Alex Jones. <laughs> Dear. No, just anywhere else. 
this, this was all this. Um, he was in the news this week. It almost made it into um, into the weekly roundup, but it hasn't. But Alex Jones is finally being held um, accountable for saying that the Sandy Hook massacre was um, was a false flag operation, and all the people involved were actors. Bruh. Yeah, that's quite quite a claim. Quite a dickish thing to do. Quite a claim. <laughs> well, you know, I wish there were more people being held accountable for chat and shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We wouldn't have a podcast. <laughs> well, true, yeah. But at least, at least we're we're sort of you know we're not claiming anything. We're sort of. Well, this is just discussion, isn't it? Everything's more a case of peeling back the onion, isn't it? That's it. We're debunking and we're proving. So. Well, I'm I'm learning. You know, <laughs> if anyone else wants to join me, learn, and that's cool. But you know, so am I. Learn it anyway. Loads in the with the simulation thing. So far with the episodes we've had, I learned the most in simulation. Yeah, that, that was. That's a rabbit hole. I like, get very lost in. But we I might, mean, we might have to revisit that at some point. It's it's a good one. It is a good one. No, there's been quite yep. a few. Even talking about some of the more uh, paranormal stuff and things, and trying to logically reason some of it you know and the weird time travel stuff like all of that is like it's kind of here and now only isn't it you can't look at it <coughs> excuse me you can't look at it as like a isolated incident read about it in a book and just be like oh i understand that no no you have to be part of the the show you know you have to be part of the game oh do you know what i found i forgot i had this but i um we're going through loads of stuff because I put shit loads of stuff aside for a. It's my turn to cough now. <clears throat> yeah, that was horrible. But yeah, I um I put ages ago. I put loads of stuff in the corner of the front room. Um, you know that corner of my front room that's just full of shit, just yeah. big crap. Well, that was all stuff that I put aside to go to a charity shop before the pandemic hit. <laughs> I'm looking through it all, um, and I've got a David Icke book in there that I completely forgot that I had. <laughs> Oh, nice. So That's might, a little win. Might not send that, and I might, I might give that a read and do an episode about that. Because that's talking about the lizard people and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. I, it's such a polarizing topic, the lizard people, because it's so ridiculous, yet the mystery is so alluring. <laughs> As I've said so many times, it's one of my favorite, like, ridiculous theories to go to. Yeah, it's just so it's just so preposterous. There's so much weirdness to it. I know people. I know there's one guy in particular who like swears by it, and he's like, "No, this is real. This is true." Can you hear what you're saying? That is, yeah. I think we need more social media blackouts. Agreed, definitely. Yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting time. Is and speaking of interesting times, round up. Yeah, I've got a good in for you. Story one: UFO news. Yeah, I like UFOs. I like UFOs. Okay, so this is it's more sort of it is more sort of centered on Britain. So Sean Ryder 
from the Happy Mondays. Mm. Uh, he was on this morning last week. Right. And he completely took over the show talking about his encounters with UFOs. Okay. And he did a um, sort of like a phone-in where people could phone up and talk about their encounters as well. Now, there's two things that I found really interesting. I've watched the clip, and there's two things I found really interesting. First of all, he he was talking about his first encounter, and he was 15 years old. And there's him and somebody else who he we went to school with, and they both saw this thing in the sky. Right. And it looked really weird and all this. And he made a point out of saying that this was before he started taking hallucinogenics. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which the fact that you know you have to no no this is before I started to... yeah okay just just covering bases in LSD <laughs> but he also said that he actually had to sign a um a, like an official government document to say that he won't talk about it again well he's in trouble then isn't he the times passed because they're time sensitive oh right okay well then. And with everything that's happening at the moment in the whole like, alien, UFO, UAP, because uh, there's loads of governments are coming out saying, okay, yeah, so we've got all of this paperwork that's been like for decades. This is actually what's what we've recorded. This is what's happening. So loads and loads of governments. I definitely think a lot of that is just drone tech in disguise. Like, what better way to spy on your neighbours than thinking they've got a UFO nearby? Definitely. I mean, this is why they've changed the name. Uh, the official designation is no longer UFO, but unidentified flying object. It's UAP, but unidentified aerial phenomenon. Yeah, but still doesn't exclude a lot of things. Uh, so if they now the official designation of a UFO is for things that look that's terrestrial, we know yeah. it's something that is created here. We just don't know what it is or where it came from. But we know it's terrestrial. And a UAP is a, we have fucking no idea. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Loads of stuff. I mean, I've always sort of, um, when it comes to things like that, I've always believed in aliens. I think it's logical to say that there's life on other planets. Whether it's intelligent life, I don't know. But I don't, I've never thought that, you know, they come here. I don't think we've got aliens living among us. I don't think the government are hiding anything. I think what happened in Roswell was a weather balloon, as they said. Or it could have been experimentally. Let's not forget, you know, that was in the 50s. It was the middle of the Cold War. It could be an experimental weapon, experimental aircraft. Yeah. And you know, the cover-up isn't that it. They're covering up aliens. They're covering up the fact that they don't want their enemies to know what they're working on. Yeah, well, that's the thing. There's a lot of spies and stuff. Yeah, Area 51 is the place where they make all this experimental shit. That's where the um, uh, the Black Hawk came from. Well, that's the thing. All of this uh, UFO evidence, per se, usually links back to military stuff, which is why you end up with NDAs and people not being able to talk about it. Instead of them being like, yeah, no, it was our fucking secret drone project. Yeah, like they can't say that. <laughs> yeah, of course. They have to be a bit more like, yeah, no, you didn't see anything, all right? One of the biggest, um, like, Area 51 whistleblowers, Bob Lazar, like, I think he's telling the truth, but I don't think it was an alien craft. I think he was probably told it was an alien craft. I've, well, that's Just, the thing. 
probably assumed it was an alien craft. What's the definition of alien? Yeah, exactly. It's just not of anything we understand. So it could be that it's alien to them in terms of a technology from a foreign country or something else. There's extra facets that people tend to ignore. From the Hollow Earth. Taking it back. I love the Hollow Earth theory. And I've recently watched, uh, I finally, finally watched Godzilla vs. Kong. And that's got the Hollow Earth in it. <laughs> I haven't seen that. It's I've been a, meaning to, but I haven't. It's good. It's a good addition to the series. It's good. I quite liked the uh, the last uh, Kong movie, Skull Island. Yeah. It's pretty, well, it follows on from that. In King of the Monsters. Yeah, it's very good. See some kaiju battles, baby. It is awesome. I love it. I remember when they were rumouring that they were going to cross it over with Pacific Rim. Oh, God, I can't even imagine. No. Godzilla versus Pacific Rim. That would be amazing. I don't know if cross over, but that would be amazing. Because well, The problem is, you don't want either side to win or lose. Because they're all owned by legendary pictures who also own Power, um, Power Rangers, so we could actually have the most ultimate crossover. <laughs> so we could have Megazord, Kaiju, Pacific Rimbau. Yep, and if they've got, because if they've got access to all of the Toho stuff, then that includes Ultraman. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and also, didn't Toho release Seven Samurai as well? So we could have that. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit more old school, though, isn't it? Don't know how that would relate to Godzilla. This poor samurai. Yeah, but those samurai are badass. They are. But how well are they going to handle the radiation breath? That's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point. So yeah, so that's so that that's the UFO news. UFO. Lead, lead singer of the Happy Mondays, talking about alien encounters on the eighty. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit hard to sort of take it with any sort of seriousness. Yeah, I mean, there's a few, to be honest, there's another story that didn't make it in about Demi Lovato. Because uh, Demi Lovato sings to UFOs. Fair enough. I mean, whatever inspires you, I guess. Yeah, that's it. Because they've got a... Um, TV show all about UFOs and aliens and stuff. I can't remember what it's called. I'm not really that interested. <laughs> it's just like you said, when it comes to the whole idea of aliens visiting, what are they just morbidly curious or something? How do they not get caught by the millions I, of different I like the idea. Defenses? I like the idea that the aliens that come here are billionaires from other planets. <laughs> what and this is just like a thrill ride see how long you last in the human atmosphere like, who was it there was a comedian I can't remember who it was it might, oh, it might have been Duncan Trussell I'm not too sure but there was uh, somebody who said that maybe aliens are coming here just because we're the sexiest <laughs> sexiest species in the galaxy oh, that would be funny <laughs> I still think we could be on like an intergalactic Truman show oh yeah I do yeah. like all the all the UAPs and that are just cameramen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Star Trek did something like that as well, didn't they? I do yeah. like yeah. Truman Show in space. The galaxy's favourite number one prime time hit. <laughs> Watch what the humans do today. 
We have fed them false information of their world. We have told them it is flat. They have believed us. <laughs> <laughs> A movement has begun to try and disprove the scientific method. Oh, God, that, you know what? I would much prefer that to be the truth. Not yeah. flat earth, but I'd prefer that flat earthers have been fooled by prankster aliens. Honestly, I think that's got to be the case, right? Half of these nonsense stories are just so <laughs> absurd. They've got to come from someone unhuman for them to be considered. <laughs> we are basically the Martian version of Pult. Yeah, pretty much. Martian Ashton Kutcher. Oh, we got you! The Milky Way's greatest fools! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the most gullible species in the Milky Way. <laughs> Rolling with it, bro. <laughs> I love it. That's great. And every now and again, they'll have like a... Well, for them, time is going to be a bit different, right? They probably live longer. Than That's why they can watch it on TV every day. Dynasties yeah. live and die and so on and so forth. But then they're like... Hmm. Perhaps we should do a special... Let us send something to the Earth to scare them. <laughs> and and then said, you get like a meteor that passes by. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's going, it's going to destroy the Earth. Right. Or a millennium. Let us tell them of millennium bug. <laughs> Y2K. <laughs> Hey, Jeff, I'm going to tell them that the Queen of England's a lizard. Let's see how we cope with that. Honestly, it's got to be the case, hasn't it? Just like some alien fucking around with these rich and powerful, like, you know, imagine you're someone like Vladimir Putin or the President of the United States or Xi Jinping or whatever, and you get like a, a secret message that says, we have special information. The Queen of England is indeed a lizard. This is a secret. What do you do? The first thing you do is it's not a secret. <laughs> and the second thing you do is because you're the one that they told. It's likely that it's true because they told you first. The one with all the power. <laughs> yeah. uh, you mentioned Xi Jinping. Do you, do you know? You probably you probably know this, actually. Um, do you know why Winnie the Pooh is banned in China? Because he does not like that as a comparison. Because he looks like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to not get, you know, murdered. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Got to be polite. <laughs> so there is an uncanny resemblance, bless it. There is. It's hilarious. Right. So you know, there's worse things to look like. More worse things to look like. Very much so. Right. Story number two. Paranormal news. Ooh. And this also includes famous people. Spooky famous people. Apartment 1A in Kensington Palace is apparently the most haunted part of Kensington Palace. What I mean. I could put a jack-in-a-box in my hallway. And that would be the most haunted part of my house in relative terms. Because Jack in the Box are fucking weird. <laughs> well, yeah, and it would also be the only haunted place in the house, and therefore the most haunted place in the house. 
So the people who live in apartment 1A at Kensington Palace, can you guess who they are? No. It's Prince William and his family. That doesn't make me more likely to believe that they've got... <laughs> Let me get the article up. Because there's, it's actually quite, it's actually quite a nice read, to be honest. This article, um, and it's, it was on the Express, so a nice read on the Express is not a normal thing. Um, so there's been loads of sightings, and basically the room that is being used as the nursery for the three kids is where most of the like freaky shit happens. Right. So. And they've ruled out Demon Kid, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, he's, he's a royal, he's a lizard. I mean, yeah. So, the historical palace where Queen Victoria was born and raised in her early years is said to be frequently visited by the ghost of Queen Victoria's aunt, Princess Sophia. Now, after being blind for 11 years, the princess suffered an illness that led to her death in 1848 at Kensington Palace, where she died there. Before she got ill and went blind, Sophia was a talented seamstress, and she spent much, like most of her time on a spinning wheel before her death. And after she died, there was loads of stories of members of staff hearing the spinning wheel in action. Um, in the 70s, a housekeeper said that they caught a glimpse of an elderly woman wearing a gown typical of the era uh, Sophia lived in. Um, according to Princess Margaret's official biographer, uh, Christopher Warwick, <laughs> Warwick, Warwick, <laughs> which one of those two is correct. Um, her, um, Princess Margaret's housekeeper, Mrs. Max, saw a figure of a woman in Regency dress standing in the door in the drawing room. Um, another occasion when the rooms on the top floor were used as staff accommodation, uh, Mrs. Mac and the butler, whose name is just John, they were both woken up by a scream during the night, but they were the only people in apartment 1A at the time. Who? Nothing about that says any of that had to have been perpetrated by anything supernatural. Yeah. I could have been a creepy person and just walked in, stolen a weird dress, but How spun up the wheel every now and again. How easy do you think it is to walk into one of the royals' houses? Well, they have staff, so, I mean, to just be... get a job there and then fuck with everybody. <laughs> Your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is to get a job in a royal building. A royal residence. I imagine it wouldn't be too difficult. Jump Buckingham Palace (laughs) and prank the Queen. (laughs) That's really tempting. (laughs) Oh, do it, man. You have to do it. Well, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to now that we've discussed what my intentions are. (laughs) But honestly, you can't discount the fact that somebody could have just been messing around. Now, see this, this kind of, so the next story within this story about Kingston Palace, this is you, okay? So, according to historian and guy with the baddest ass's name ever, his name is Lachlan McClelland. <laughs> <laughs> Say it slowly. 
Lachlan McClelland. Lachlan McClelland. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, man. That is velvet on the tongue, that is. Name. That's, that's beautiful, isn't it? Lachlan McClelland. That is a name made for pure badassery. I agree. I like it. But anyway, um, yeah, Prince Louis Nursery at Kensington Palace is haunted by a character called Peter the Wild Boy. Uh, Character. (laughs) During the days of King George II, a man named Peter was found by the king walking narrow hallways of the palace. So just random dude was just found by the king himself, just walking around. Um, He had a rare disease called Pitt Hopkins, which causes severe facial abnormalities. And after Peter died in the palace, his ghost was rumoured to haunt the king's staircase and allegedly does to this day. Um, The spookiest story is... (laughs) What's that? Allegedly. Yeah, exactly. Allegedly. But yeah, there's another story of King George II, who died in 1760. Um, Towards the end of his reign, Britain was immersed in the Seven Years' War. And due to this, it is rumoured his spirit hangs around the palace crying, why won't they come? Referring to why he had not heard from his troops. And that was that, that's apparently that, I already knew this, but that's reportedly what his last words or what his last words were before he died. Why won't they come? I just it sounds like really involved ways of telling your royal history, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know what? If that's the case, I love it. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of royal history, so I mean, you can pick and choose. <laughs> I like that idea. That's just a, yeah, it's just a way of teaching people about the history of it. <laughs> well, you can just imagine being like a five-year-old or something around this particular environment, and then all of a sudden, like, it's so out of your comfort zone anyway, because it's this giant palace. Its scale is going to be massive compared to you as a spooky little kid. And then whenever you say anything, the echo will scare the crap out of you. So guess what? They're going to mess with you, aren't they? They're going to be like, oh no, don't go up there. Why? There's a ghost up there. Well, yeah, we had that. Um, so at my school, my secondary school, there was two sites. We had lower and upper. And both sites had a um, had ghost stories. But in Merrill Upper, so there was this like disused sort of bell tower on the building. And there was a story that the place used to be a monastery and a monk had killed himself in the bell tower. And the story was that if you go into that bell tower, you will see the monk. But there was no way of getting into the bell tower because it had all been fucking sealed off because it was a school. Why would you leave something like that open in a school? Yeah. There's no way up there. Not just that, but the idea of a monk... Ghost is ridiculous. They're supposed to be so spiritually attuned, they would never become ghosts and be trapped in limbo. <laughs> There's a fundamental definition problem there. They're going to, yeah, they'd just be going to heaven, wouldn't they? Because they're monks. Well, wherever they go, it doesn't matter. They know where they're going, and it ain't staying here. It was one of the famous uh, ghost stories of the Black Monk of uh, Pontefract. That's a long name. <laughs> 
Yeah, this was yeah, it was in a house, and uh, this black monk was seen all around this this residence. I think there's more to it than that. I think that there was a proper sort of haunting and like communication with the spirit and people being fucked up. Yeah, the, I just the whole communicating with spirits thing. Like, there's so much room for fuckery. Yeah, of course. <laughs> all you need is that one mate who wants to piss around that day, and all of a sudden everything's oh, Mike, sorry. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, look at the story of Helen Duncan. Do you know who Helen Duncan was? Uh, that wasn't the lady that was burned at the stake, the last witch, was it? Um, She, was, she wasn't burned at the stake, but she was the... Last witch trial. The last witch trial in this country, which was... Oh. And that was, like, in the 50s. Yeah. Or 50s. She was the chick who kept the ectoplasm everywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> obviously she was completely faking it the ectoplasm was basically like cheesecloth that she was hiding yes. then, cheese curds or something yeah and she was like yeah so there was loads of different things that she was doing like one of her famous ones were um, she said that a spirit of a sailor said that she, he was on this certain ship that had sunk and it was not like it was top secret that this ship had been sunk because uh, it was at that time of war and it was top secret but she knew before it was actually officially announced so people are how did she know then if she wasn't talking to ghosts it's because the families of the sailors were told and you really think they kept a secret yeah well that or the more obvious one is when ships get blown up at sea a lot of the time you can see it <laughs> Uh, this was all, uh, it was off the coast of the Indian Ocean. Off the coast, so you'd be able to see the smoke or whatever from the coast. In India, the, you wouldn't have seen it from. She was in Scotland. You wouldn't have seen it there. Oh right, yeah, fair enough. But, um, but yeah. Well, she's just well connected. If you want to know more about the story of Helen Duncan, go onto YouTube and look for stories about stuff because there was an episode about about which yeah. stories about stuff. Another production of the Fly By Pants Projects. Yeah, the greatest host in the world, Andy Barley. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's him. This was before you were a sheep. Stories in that episode are told by Neve Macy. Name drop it. Yeah. Check out her YouTube channel. The YouTubes. Yes. www.flypadpants.com for more information. Plugs. <laughs> Cool, right, so my favourite story of the... Let's get to the meat of it. Number three. Are you ready? I am indeed. Hit me. A high-ranking bishop in the Catholic Church has resigned from the Vatican and resigned from being a bishop because he is falling in love with a woman. Yeah, fair enough. Who just happens to be an author of satanic erotica novels? Fair enough. Tasty. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, they're not something. They're not that far apart. Let's not forget. Yeah. 
<laughs> Let's not forget that he, like, he's Catholic. She's also divorced and she's a psychologist as yeah. well. Yeah, so he went all in on that. Shit. If you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, do it fucking properly, man. <laughs> no, I agree. But this, <laughs> this, the reason why, I mean, not only because it's the greatest headline ever, but um, the reason why I put this in is because of this happening, there's now been two main conversations that have come around this. One of them is sensible. The other is not so sensible. Yeah, fair. Which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's get the not sensible one out of the way. Not sensible. Okay, so um, this guy, this bishop is a proper old school, stereotypical Catholic. I'm going to cough again. <clears throat> I've been talking all day. <laughs> Super repressed and held back then. Um, well, he's a supporter of conversion therapy. So that instantly makes him a wanker. Yeah. Um. And also, he performed exorcisms. Oh. So, can you guess what people are saying? <laughs> the last he's exorcism... Possessed. He's possessed. The reason why he went with this woman is because the last exorcism he performed went wrong and he got possessed by a demon and it's the demon that is going with this author of satanic <laughs> erotic... Mate, that is the best spin he can go off he can be an absolute dick and then come back like after a massive five six day bender and be like yeah no i was possessed mate i'll try that no i exercised myself you're all good i'm a bishop i'd watch that sitcom <laughs> that's good omens basically isn't it yeah i would watch that sitcom so that's what a lot of a lot of his supporters, a lot of his followers were saying. Because this dude, like, he's not just you know, some little bishop. Like, this guy had to personally hand his notice in to the Pope himself. He was he's he was famous for being Spain's youngest bishop. He was like he was a top mover. There's, he's like in that line. Just sounds like he spent his whole life completely and utterly repressed and sheltered, and now he's having to overcompensate in some ways to actually have some experience and some life. Exactly, and this leads us to the serious or the sensible conversation that's being had: is should like why not just let priests marry? Why not just let the clergy marry? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, when it comes to... Uh, Catholicism is really the only sort of branch of Christianity that still has that rule. Well, it's kind of nonsense, because even then, like, Catholicism is just a sub-fucking archetype of Christianity, and there are other parts of Christianity that let you marry and have yeah. kids and everything else, and it's like... I understand the whole keeping the man of the cloth sacred and all of that, and the vow of celibacy. And I know, I know, so antiquated. I know a guy who is a vicar, the Church of England, like Church of England vicar. He's married, got four kids, four kids. He's been married for like for decades, and he's also the lead guitarist in a thrash metal band. Winning. That's called balance, mate. <laughs> it's just like. Which there was a really funny thing happened when some of his parishioners found out. Always oh, he plays. Could we know he plays guitar? Always oh, playing a gig in in the town. Hey, well, let's go and see. Let's go and see the vicar on stage. Because <laughs> oh, he wore his dog collar on stage and everything. I think when it's like you can't have this. The idea of a 
perfectly holy man. It's an impossible standard. It 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 can't be achieved by men. It, like by that very definition. So you're already got a bit of a god complex in of your own mind if you're trying to supersede everyone around you and just be like, yeah, I'm better than you. And the thing is as well, because especially with Catholicism, clerical um, celibacy includes obviously sex before marriage, just sex in general, and it includes masturbation. But then, you know, this is a bit of a, a dark path, but do you not think that the vow of celibacy might have been a contributing factor why they've done such debauchery and everything else? That's, because that's technically a loophole, isn't it? That's exactly where I was going. Yeah. Because sexual urges are primal. Sure, you can't. It's a part of, it's not psychological, it's not physical, it is just a part of us. I mean, even even asexual people masturbate. Well, yeah, you get biological drives you, and imperatives. Guess what? Nature wins. You have to deal with that side of being human. It's like when you're hungry, you can't just not be hungry and not eat. Like You still have to appease the body in some capacity. You don't have to do it irresponsibly or recklessly. Like I think that's the kind of line, isn't it? Let's let, let's let priests start wank, wanking on buses and stuff. It's just... <laughs> that's a very big difference to the current. <laughs> I mean, like... Just yeah, you know, just, just try that out. Just like this is my my this is my little uh, my little message to the Pope. Just try that. Out. Just say that the Catholic clergy allowed to masturbate once a month, not on buses. And then let's see let's see if um if 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 the number of of uh, red faced choir boys goes down a little. Just yes, yeah, I'm not. I'm not I don't want to professional expert. Seems as simple as that, but it's definitely got to have a correlation. There's got to be a link. Because priests used to be able to marry. So why not? It's the same sort of mentality as, uh, you know, when you're dehumanised in the military or in like a different sort of, trying to think of another extreme environment where you'd be indoctrinated or that kind of. But the idea is you're, this image of what you're supposed to be is so powerful and so overwhelming it overrides who you are and then you're stuck with this you trying to break through this version or character that you're having to play and then that conflict is going to cause you all sorts of problems down the line all sorts yeah brain could turn into mushful you know yeah so i think you know, the, the is he possessed conversation needs to stop and I think more people need to start talking about can yeah. we now let the clergy be human? Well, I think the whole concept of redu- you're reducing something that's actually happening to something fictitious and then taking away any relevant discussion it actually has. So you're actually hurting the conversation by dismissing it in such a way. You know, you're not getting too many answers. You just end up, oh, it's all right, it was possessed. So um, the former bishop in question has made one statement about it, and he said nothing else. And he's not talked about any of the conversations. He's not talked about being possessed or anything. The only thing that he has said about him retiring or resigning is that he, I can quote, I fell in love, and now I want to do the right thing. 
much. Fair enough. That's for sure. Leave the man be now. Yeah. Say, and I meant to look this up, but I completely forgot. That he's now having a job as an agronomist. Don't know what that is. Neither do I. Let's find out, shall we? Agronomist. Not agro as in agriculture, I'm guessing. Expert in the science of soil management and crop production. Oh, close. Agriculture. Okay. Jesus. Yeah, that's good. The average say, salary for an um, agro- I suppose it'd be agronomist, wouldn't it? Yeah. In Australia, the average salary is $85,249 per annum. Per year. Well, to be fair, the job's not simple at all because you're basically having to fight nature at every turn and try and make things that would otherwise be barren and non-productive yield something. <laughs> It's like trying to grow potatoes in the Sahara. My God, that scared the shit out of me then. What did? You see that big black shape? That's your, that's your foot in it? Yeah. That proper look like there's like a shadow person just appeared on the screen. <laughs> no, it's my mate Jeff. He's been here the whole time. <laughs> oh, God. I can't get it to happen consistently, man. And no one's going to be able to see that. I'm going to try and get a screenshot and I'll put it on Instagram if I can. I genuinely can't replicate that either. <laughs> right. It's not working. I will. Yeah. Oh, there you uh, go. Jeff the shadow person. Because, yeah, if... if, if, uh, if you That's haven't... my foot on my knee, so it literally looks like a head and shoulders. Yeah, if you haven't guessed, by the way, we're, we're recording on Skype again. Yay! <laughs> but, yeah, no, I will, I'm going to try and get a screen grab of that, and I'll put it on Instagram. <laughs> Just the shadow person. It's not going how I want it to now. (laughs) I'm going to even make a note down here about what time that happened. I don't know what the time is. Anyway, so yeah, so that was, uh, I really liked that story. I thought it was very good. Now Jeff looks like he's just got a raging hard on. Uh, Jeff just looks like he's popped up to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's that's the week rounded up. Rounded up? What about rounding it down? Can we do that one day? We can round it down, yeah. That's Yay! Decimals! I like mathematics! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now, in that case, we're on our main topic. Exciting. So, main topic. So, we're going to talk about the end of the world. I like it. Which one? Exactly. So, the the current news article, this is from the 28th of September. And <clears throat> this this is in Haywards Heath, which is like just outside of Brighton. Up the road. Just up the road from us. Stop broad. So, man from Haywards Heath um, made homemade grenades just in case an apocalypse scenario happened. I'm not going to say his name because we're not about that. 
Yeah, if, let's just focus if, on the elephant in the room. The article's on, B, on BBC, so if you want to know his name, you can find it on there. Yeah, the elephant in the room is don't make homemade explosives ever because they're usually <laughs> going to go horribly wrong. Exactly. But uh, the end of the world scenario, that's definitely a topic worth discussing. Exactly. So the story is this dude is 44 years old, uh, lives in West Sussex. Um, he was due to face trial, but instead he admitted the charges. He pled guilty um, to possessing an explosive substance and the three notebooks containing information useful to a person preparing an act of terrorism. That's what the charges were. So the court heard police uncovered a stash of weapons when they raided his home. This was in 2019 when they raided his home, but he's only just been charged. Um, they found <clears throat> paintball grenades that were filled with shards of glass, metal, and chili powder. Ow. Uh, yeah, ow. Along with other weapons that included crossbows, knives, and knuckle dusters. Okay, a bit medieval. He's just going for a Saturday night out in Cardiff. That's all that is. That sounds like a medieval zombie apocalypse. Doesn't it just sound so cool? Um, he told the police that he had the grenades in case an apocalyptic scenario should occur. The judge described it as an unusual case and asked for submissions on the seriousness of the offences and the motivation and potential dangerousness of the defendant. Yeah. It's interesting. So after the hearing, the detective chief superintendent from counter-terrorism police in Southeast, said that Porter possessed information that would have been useful to someone who wanted to cause harm. She said, although he didn't have a specific ideology, uh, the information he wrote, researched and designed could have been useful to a terrorist with plans to carry out an attack. His actions, <clears throat> excuse me, his actions were reckless and the weight of evidence against him left with no choice but to plead guilty to those serious offences. She added, we are confident that there was no specific risk to the local community. So it wasn't the fact that he made these things. It was, yeah. It was the fact that, you know, there's the cliche of these could have fallen in the wrong hands. Yeah, I agree. I think when it comes to explosives, that's why you just shouldn't fuck with them. So he wasn't really planning on using them unless Mad Max happened. Yeah, but the problem with, like, Okay, let's put it into an example. If I had a sword and I kept it ornamentally on the shelf, cool, perfectly fine. If I had an ornamental gun, perfectly fine. If I have an ornamental hand grenade, that <laughs> shit can still explode. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It could be there completely undisturbed for years and years and years, and a boom! I mean, Temperature what, 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 what first thing that happens whenever people find like unexploded World War II bombs? You stay the fuck away from it. They have to make sure it's not live. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so yeah, so he did all that because he wanted to be ready for an apocalyptic scenario. I think he was already ready knowing how to make them rather than having to actually make them. Exactly. You know, uh, I mean, I don't want to advocate anyone look up how to make explosives, but it's science, right? It's not fucking forbidden knowledge. It's just <laughs> dumb. <laughs> There was a book, um, I remember hearing about it in the 90s, I never actually read it, I knew plenty of people who claimed they had a copy but could never prove it, uh, the Anarchist Cookbook. <laughs> I had recipes for napalm and shit like that. <laughs> well the thing is, again, like, 
not advocating it but you can just google this stuff find the scientific compound if you've got a head on your shoulders it's not hard to know how it's done a lot of the time the way they make these things difficult is by even making the core ingredients difficult to get or illegal or by making the things you need to process said ingredients so difficult to do that you wouldn't be able to do it without a lab yeah something like that if you're messing like even in agriculture right you can't keep fertilizer and hay in the same barn why because it's a natural explosive all you need to do look at what happened in beirut uh, was it beirut or belarus i might be butchering it entirely it wasn't that long ago but they had the warehouse that had the stockpile of all of the like fertilizer and the ammonia and everything else and it just been there too long yes i do remember that. well i'm gonna google this but wasn't timothy mcveigh who the oklahoma bomber wasn't his bombs fertilizer bombs likely so is you can go into a hardware store and buy everything you need pretty much or a garden center those kind of things the point is you shouldn't because a the risk is ridiculous to not just yourself and everyone around you but also there's no scenario where you need an explosive unless you're trying to break out of a cave where you're sealed in at which point the rules don't apply in that scenario just don't blow yourself up. Um, so he used ammonium nitrate and nitromethane truck bomb. Yeah, so fertilizer. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, he was a. Uh, yeah. No, dumbasses, all of them. Every single one of them. Massive explosives, unless you're one of the unfortunate suckers who has to go in and deal with said explosives, then I only have I only have respect for you and your career. Let's put it that way, because it's not something that is even remotely fair. You, if it's luck a lot of the time, it's either going to go boom or you're lucky and they fucked up building it. Yeah. And then it might go boom. Yeah, I mean, home, oh, come on. I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a homemade chef. You know, I, I love cooking. Yeah. As you know, I like cook. And this energy could have been so better put to avoiding a apocalypse. Making a souffle can go wrong. Making a fucking stick of dynamite in my kitchen. Yeah, no. Straight up, no. I mean, didn't he even have a zombie plan or something like? Rather than wasting his time of explosives. I don't know. All it said was that. that was, <laughs> I think because I, I class this dude as a doomsday prepper. Well, yeah, obviously. But there's doomsday preppers who hoard food and medicine and things like that for rainy days. And then there's doomsday preppers who hoard all oh, so the firepower under the sun, probably to go and take the stuff from the food and the medicine people. Doomsday preppers, they have weapons like that because it's allowed over there. <laughs> But even then, you're still not going to have it stored in a place that's near your home or near people. You know, it's going to be stored in the bottom back of the the wooden shack that just doesn't go anywhere. Hey, with ten locks on it. We're in the bunker. So Not a zombie plan is important. 
though. So this is my my next bullet point. So there's obviously there's different types of doomsday theories. Apocalypse. Different types of doomsday preppers. And I found a list on Wikipedia oh, of different funny. types. So uh, I think we should go through them, man. Yeah, do it. How many? How many do you think you can name? What? So I'm basically looking for all the different apocalypses and then finding their corresponding prepper. <laughs> oh no, no, forget about the preppers. But we can talk about how we would prep for them. Well, there's obviously. That's one of them. I'm so fucking prepped already. The boring one is the climate apocalypse, right? Because you either have to get used to dealing with extreme cold or get used to dealing with extreme heat. Say that's the boring one, but I also think that's the most likely. <laughs> no, it is, but it's the boring one in that there's not a lot you can do to prepare, right? Yeah, I think we are right at the beginning of that one. No, of course. We like we're probably gonna have to live underground or under the sea or something if the sea doesn't boil and we lose all of our food or everything else. It's a chain reaction of doom and gloom. But the only sort of way to prepare for that is to have your own sort of hidden <laughs> little base where everything's just isolated and safe, unless you want to build one for everyone else, but then you'll end up a megalomaniac like Snowpiercer. So, yeah, that's the boring one, in my opinion. The nuclear apocalypse, that's the scariest one because that's just a button push away, right? All it takes is some unlevel-headed nut job to press the button in a fury of rage. It nearly happened. We look at what was going on between Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. One little unfettered ego. What is also was twitching at that point because we very nearly had a nuclear war. I've got and book. if that happens, that's going to be horrible. I've got a book that um, it's called Humans, a history, a history of how we fucked up. Yeah, yeah I remember actually when you were reading that. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, because yeah, because I did it work, and uh, that starts off the introduction. To that is, as I write this book, we the whole world is terrified at the prospect of nuclear war. Yeah, because terrifying. Don- King <laughs> it's literally a button push, man. Um, it's so terrifying that these kind of scales of collateral damage are even a considered thing. <laughs> yeah, it's mad. But yeah, again, the only way to prepare for that is to to independently hoard and store food and water and radiation medicine and everything else. And even then, you'll end up with like a weird fallout esky Wild West. Only it'll be more fucked up because you don't know how nature's going to go. See, I find it interesting that you started off with sort of natural things. Yeah. A lot of experts, including um, the Future of Humanity Institute which at the University of Oxford and the Centre for the Study of Existential Risk at Cambridge, they prioritise what they call anthropogenic. People-based. Uh, due to their much greater estimated likelihood. Yeah, so people are more likely to cause the apocalypse than nature. Yeah. So the biggest concerns and the biggest focus on risk posed by advanced technology, such as artificial intelligence and biotechnology. Mm. So, yeah, the so that's the first one that is listed on this list is artificial intelligence. Oh, that's the silent death. There won't be a prep because if it happens, you'll be cold. Yeah. Like the AIs aren't going to compassionately think about how 
you're different from all the rest of humans because no, you'll you you'll fit the definition and you'll get murdered. We'll all be Cybermen. It'll be the same as biotechnology as well. That's the next one on the list. Biotechnology. That's a bit more erratic because you don't know how nature will work with biotech, right? If you start fucking around with viruses or diseases and things like, that, like we've got now with the current scenario, nature's sort of twisting it by giving us variants and different mutations of different things or different climate attributed factors and everything else. So you end up with this sort of like tug of war where sure we might have created the ultimate deadly virus but then nature goes and creates the antidote for us or something you know what i mean there's a bit more craziness to be had in that one still gonna be clenching your arsehole yeah, of course <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah nature might save you uh the next one cyber attack Again, a silent death, right? It's just going to be a, all the technology goes out and little communities form and then it's kind of like the Wild West again. So this this is quite... Um, so Christine Peterson, who's co-founder and past president of the Foresight Institute, believes... Uh, I know, it's great, isn't it? Uh, believes a cyber attack on electric grids has the potential to be a catastrophic risk. Yeah, uh, I know yeah, she notes that little has been done to mitigate such risks and that mitigation could take several decades of readjustment. Yeah, wasn't there that thing about solar flares eventually being able to create EMP-like effects around us? And if it happened, like, our entire infrastructure would have to shut down. There wouldn't be a way to sort of reboot it. We are just fucked, aren't we? <laughs> well, we've got a stacked game. I mean, what else is there? Um, environmental disaster is the next one. Yeah. So that's like... Um, I think that's the most preventable, isn't it? Um, world crop failure, collapse of ecosystem services, and that could be induced by the present trends of overpopulation, economic development, and non-sustainable agriculture. Yeah. That's the, that's the one that... I think that's the one that we're, people are working the most towards stopping. Yeah, it's the most preventable. It's the one we can actually do little things and contribute to. The biggest problem with that is that we also need our politicians and world leaders to be involved, and that's not fucking happening. Because well, the fact that we have politicians and world leaders and our interests and their interests are different is already a fundamental problem. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that because they're also talking about like pollinator decline, overfishing, deforestation, yeah. climate change as well. Well, climate change is going to be the precursor to a lot of those, right? If you change the biome of a certain place and then, I don't know, maybe nature evolves and the apex predator of that area goes to the next area, like migrates over and is a hostile takeover of a species. And then you end up with all sorts of things spiralling out of control, like a bit of a horror movie. The meteorite one, that's that's pretty, you know, when it comes to like cosmic death, it it's like that, isn't it? There isn't going to be any fuckery. If we're hit by a meteorite and the world gets covered in a giant ash cloud, we're dead. Yeah. Oh, uh, if the sun explodes, we're dead. It just seems like every year there's a new asteroid that's going to hit Earth. Yeah. That gets well, talked about a lot. I, I feel like a lot of the time there's got to be some 
exaggeration you know like oh no it's gonna hit us quick the world's gonna hit. and they must sort of have a bit of an in joke in the science community where anything that comes within x radius and it's a lot bigger than we expect <laughs> could kill us but that's yeah. just science isn't it yeah it could hit our gravity pocket and get redirected into it and then just spin around forever or it could veer away or it could veer inwards or it could just straight up knock us out of our own orbit Oh. <laughs> yeah, planetary Pachenko. <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting to see who gets knocked into the sun first. That's that's amazing, all of it. Um, experimental technology accident. Yeah, that's so that's what because that'll be the one that will just be like that's it done yeah well that's like the hadron collider and creating a black hole by mistake and just being like oops so yeah. what did you do today at work eric um i accidentally pressed the wrong button on the hadron collider it made a black hole <laughs> yeah we've lost switzerland <laughs> no we don't know where we are um <laughs> we just sort of it's colder let's put it that way it's a lot colder oh god blacker um global warming we've already spoke about that really it's kind of different semantics for climate change isn't it a lot of these yeah mineral resource exhaustion again that's happening yeah but at the same time there's mineral resources is more a case of making sure we attribute them to the right things right like uh, gold watches, sure, you can have as many as you like, but they don't do anything for the world. Whereas you use them as superconductors and computers. Different story. Yeah. Uh, nanotechnology. I think yeah. you'd have a lot to say about this. This is more up your street. That's a, I mean, I'm a massive fan of the Metal Gear series, right? And that's like the core focus is nanomachines and these little invisible things that do stuff in your body without you even knowing like i think the first actual purpose would be medicinal some sort of repair and we've kind of already got that right if you think about it um you know like uh women can have the implant in their arm that can be used to control contraception or whatever else that's technically a nano machine right it's a small machine that's outputting a little dose of something over the course of x amount of time till it's spent rather than having to do it all in one go yeah i never i never saw it that way before i mean even a pacemaker is a nano machine mm. you're you're augmenting yourself cybernetically if you think about what like a a vaccine is yeah and how we have to get antibodies to fight let's call them bodies those antibodies we have our biological ones but imagine if we could make little mechanical ones that were small and enough to work alongside them and make us immune to diseases and then you could use that on the opposite end of the spectrum to kill your enemies or to cause ethnic cleansings based on certain dna traits or anything else but the point is it's the kind of technology that's so advantageous and inevitable but also so dangerous <laughs> it will get misappropriated and that's the scary part it's just how long we can go before that happens everything's gonna get misused yeah. and the next one on this list is warfare and mass destruction 
that's where your nuclear holocaust things like that come. Yeah. Well, I can't think of any other way we could destroy the planet without nukes. Yeah. I mean, if, even if we sat there and all just shot at each other for the next ten years, the <laughs> Earth would be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Earth wouldn't give a shit, you know. Maybe less fire might be a good, good start. That'll be a very good start. <laughs> Yeah, the world is on fire. It doesn't want us here anymore. <laughs> no, less, a bit less fire might be a good start. World population and agricultural crisis. Well, it's kind of already happening, isn't it? We've got mass overpopulation, supply and demand in terms of food and infrastructure and everything else. Like, all it will take is one year where yields are massively down on harvests and crops and so on and so forth. And then you start seeing everything fall apart systematically because when hungry people are hungry, they don't act rationally anymore. (laughs) So then again, Wild West. And let's not forget at the minute we're living in what probably the most irrational time in recent history. Yeah, well, it's kind of conflicted, isn't it? Because we've got some of the most rational people we've ever had in history. But then we've also got these ridiculous irrational arguments that have to take up their attention (laughs) how many scientists have had to waste their time on things like flat earth you know what i mean just to and not only does it waste their time as scientists but it also makes it seem like the other parties put forward something worthwhile yeah (laughs) right so now we go into the non-anthropogenic the nature ones these are the non-anthropogenic so this are you are you ready for the what this is the paragraph that it says about non-anthropogenic on wikipedia of all species that have ever lived 99 percent have gone extinct yeah earth has experienced numerous mass extinction events in which up to 96 percent of all species present at the time were eliminated a notable ex- example is the KT extinction event, which killed the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. The types of threats posed by nature have been argued to be relatively constant, though this has been disputed. Well, they are relatively constant because relative to our existence on the Earth, they're going to get more frequent. Natural ways that the world will end. Of course, the first one is the asteroid impact. That we've already- yeah. Well, any kind of natural disaster would kind of fall under climate change, right? Because they're a bit of a domino effect. One would affect the other and so on and so forth. So they're not really exclusive. Um, you've got the crazy evolution one. That's my favourite. Where like uh, something like a locust or an everyday insect could evolve in such a way to become a threat to us. And all of a sudden... I can believe that. Now, everyday ants and things like that are murderous and could kill you with their over-the-top venom. And so there would be more ants, which would then overpopulate and overrun cities and other crops. And then the species versus species thing comes in and you'd end up with a, what's it called? I learned a really cool, um, really cool fact about leafcutter ants. Do they cut leaves? Do you know why they cut leaves? Why? I always thought they ate leaves, but they don't. They, they use them as trays to carry stuff. They, u- <laughs> they use the leaves 
to feed a fungus and then they eat the fungus. See, that's clever. <laughs> How fucking cool is that? <laughs> but I just want to point out, isn't that essentially what we do with yeah. cows? Yeah. <laughs> we feed the cows. Your, your cow. crazy evolution theory of the apocalypse could be leaf cutter ants. Could be. I mean, fungus is a really interesting, right? Because they're they're so unknown to us. We don't know shit about the whole everything yeah. going on. And it's only now we realise they're all interconnected and there's a little network of everything, like a nervous system for the planet. But imagine if the, the fungus one day decided they didn't like us and wanted to do something about it. You know what funguses can do, don't you? pretty much anything well they uh, breed by spores precisely we breathe spores so they're already an infection vector for us in terms of if nature decided it wanted us dead all it would take is a few spungal spores and you could end up with the last of us as like a crazy extreme god maybe not the last of us it would be more like just imagine a mold that grows and overtakes everything. And it's just toxic and you can't go near it. And eventually the mold would overtake us as people. And the species that would thrive would be the ones that could have some sort of symbiotic relationship with the mold. And we call it Love Island. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the next one is cosmic threats, and they're saying like things like gamma ray bursts, uh, false vacuum decay, electro weak vacuum decay, and solar flares, black yeah. holes, and such. We could lose our rotation through random electromagnetic fuckery. We could lose our poles and start spinning in a weird way that would fuck everything up. We could get closer to the sun or further away and end up really, really hot or really, really cold. Like it basically if don't go exactly how they are right now perfectly scheduled we're <laughs> fucked <laughs> in april 2008 it was announced that two simulations of long-term planetary movement one in paris and the other in california uh, indicate a one percent chance that mercury's orbit could be made unstable by jupiter's gravitational pull sometime during the lifespan of the sun if that was to happen, the simulations suggest a collision with Earth could be one of four possible outcomes. Yay, 25% chance for doom after <laughs> a 1% chance. It's like playing D&D in real life all the time, isn't it? <laughs> right, roll for solar flares. <laughs> okay, you're fine. Uh, roll for electromagnetic interference. Yeah, no, you lose. Oh. And everyone's got to do their survival roles all at once. And nature hits a natural D20. Yeah, the, the sun expanding into a red giant. Yeah. Well, um, astrophysicists, physicists, physicists, they currently calculate that that's going to happen in a few billion years. Yeah. So if we don't destroy the Earth first. And the yeah. next, the gaffer tape of all theories aliens yeah it's the cop out it's the gaffer tape this is holding up throw some aliens at it but to be fair again it's they're all kind of interconnected right because if we met aliens one day and let's say they are nuclear capable 
and they shot us, we're fucked. Yeah. It's a first strike scenario, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. Well, I mean, if we a... shoot them and they shoot our nuke down and they shoot us back, we're fucked. <laughs> yeah. So it's like... better not to shoot the nuke at them unless we have to. The film Mars Attacks, when they fire the nuke at the ship and then they like this little thing sucks in the... Um... Yeah. Yeah, it's basically helium for them. <laughs> and then on the flip side as well, you know, what if uh, we could have friendly aliens, yeah? And we could have everything be perfectly good and whatever. And then they bring their own viruses and they bring their own sort of bacterias or foods or pets or what, whatever it is that then fucks with our nature. There was a film, it's an Australian film uh, called Undead, which basically does, that says that. That's a really good fucking film, actually. It's it's the perils of interaction in a way. We almost want to stay our own little lone rock. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just leave us alone. The next one is natural pandemic. Moving on. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think we need to talk about that one. Nope. Natural climate change. Moving on. (laughs) Yeah. Our volcanism, uh, the super volcano. Oh, yeah, that's scary. Yeah, like uh, Yellowstone and all that. That's essentially, uh, they would all erupt, and the actual eruption would be devastating, but then you'd have this thick layer of ash and smog in the atmosphere, so no one would be able to breathe. Just to uh, rub salt in the wound kind of thing. Bit scary. How do you vent the planet? So that is, according to Wikipedia... That is all of the sort of scientific um, apocalypses. So let's go to the non-scientific. Server deletion. The simulation gets deleted. (laughs) By some fucking intern. (laughs) (laughs) Or one of us figures it out and it's just like, no, no more. Delete. Oh no, it's somebody's granddad trying to read his email. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I think that's uh, or some kid trying to find porn. <laughs> yeah, any kind of informational manipulation that would allow us to repeat history would be a pretty straightforward uh, end of day scenario most of the time. Yeah, this you know I'm talking supernatural now, man. Let's go to the let's go to Bible. Oh, all right. God rains meteors on us. Let's go to the biblical end. The rapture. Yeah. Then seven years of hell on earth. And then the hallelujah of Jesus coming back to kick off. When did that start? (laughs) 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 We've got to be nearly done by now, right? Do you know? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Do you know what the difference between Apocalypse and Armageddon is? Uh, Isn't Apocalypse all-encompassing term whereas armageddon specifically talks about warfare no so the biblical apocalypse is the event and armageddon is the place where it's going to happen the mountain didn't know it was a place that's weird yeah megiddo apparently he's in the bible it's called um, harmageddon and it's changed to armageddon yeah that makes sense that's the place cool See, I I'm, mean, to be honest, because I've, I've seen in, you know, I've seen enough films. I know my scriptures. I know what to do. 
I know how to defeat. I'm a fucking sorcerer. <laughs> I'm a chaos magician, man. I'm fucked if it's Ragnarok, though. Yes. We see that thing because when you go. That's literally just everyone kills everyone else. Yeah, th- this is why I just went for. That's why I said biblical end of the world. Because when you go into all the mythologies and, like, and oh, there's so much out there. And the Indian ones. So weird. Again, I might be butchering it. I read it a long time ago, but they basically have this sort of. Uh, there's like a rise and fall of societies and civilization throughout history. And every time we get to a certain point, we inevitably destroy ourselves and it ends up repeating over and over and over. So Joe Rogan had a joke about this where he thinks that, um, that everything's on a cycle. Yeah. A clock that goes round and round. And then when the, when the hands get to the top, scientists click a button and go oh, i wonder what this does and then the whole universe goes and it starts again yeah. and every time the clock hits midnight it gets one second shorter yeah till it's just gonna be this constant and it just carries on and carries on and carries on yeah no it's interesting like the i mean a lot of the end of the worlds from religious or spiritual sides yeah, are actually pretty cool because if you're a decent person you'd be fine <laughs> yeah that's it i mean like the whole rapture idea i may not be a devout catholic but i'm pretty sure god isn't going to want to smite me down if he needs help and i can help you know exactly but i mean because the whole idea of the rapture as well that technically doesn't come from the bible because there's only there's only certain christian denominations that follow that say that that's what's going to happen but you've got things like you know the seven seals and there's a certain things that have to happen i mean like the book of revelation is just fucking batshit it's amazing yeah best way to end the bible the revelations that oh shit <laughs> it's like the m night Shyamalan endings isn't it <laughs> <laughs> heavy metal bollocks <laughs> We wrote this story about how you've got to be good and wonderful, but guess what? You're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it ends in a big fucking badass fight between God. I think the whole concept of the end of the world is kind of what keeps us going, isn't it? If we didn't, like, when you think about human beings and how comfortable we are, it does take an existential threat like that to motivate us to be better you know yeah well so um what's your favorite apocalyptic fiction um i mean the cosmic ones are kind of beautiful in a way because you can't do shit so it's kind of you don't have to worry about those ones the ones involving people make me sad because again they are the most likely and I don't want them to be the most. The saddest, I want to think we're better than that, but I know we're not. The saddest, most depressing post-apocalyptic movie is The Road. Road. Yeah, that sounds sad. I don't think I've seen it. God. Yeah, that's heavy. That is heavy. It's um, Viggo Mortensen. I saw he's <clears throat> not related, the... but it's great in that. What's that? Eastern Promises. Yes. Yeah, brilliant. But the um, the main characters is him and a boy, and they are just called man and boy. They don't even have names. Yeah. 
and that is just that is just two hours of nothing good happening. <laughs> no, doesn't surprise me. Like if you thought uh, a bit of food for thought, but also kind of like a inspiration for change, let's say. But if you thought of things like elitism and racism and sexism and shit were bad now in society, just wait till society crumbles. And that's literally the dictating factor between how messed up people end up being. It will just break down into our most ridiculous tribes. There'll be no sort of bigger picture anymore. Quite scary. We can do something about climate change if we're all trying. But then you get the climate change deniers. Oh. Can I just say? Can I just say? So I just want to. I just want to put this out there. That yes, climate change happens in cycles. Yes, we are in one of those cycles. Yeah. Cycles take centuries, not fucking decades. It's happening too fast for it to be a natural cycle. We are involved in this well not just that but how can you assume what kind of hubris do you have to think you don't have an effect on the things around you yeah of course definitely do you know what i mean like you even you, right now yeah we're, we're sat miles apart yeah having a conversation i'm sat in my room i've got a lamp on in front of me mm-hmm. at top on i'm smoking an electric cigarette yeah, I've got a lamp and a laptop. And all that all combines to affect things. I agree. I think more importantly, though, business needs to die. The mentality of people being businessmen and making sociopathy and psychopathy okay and being like, oh, well, I own all of the oil and the gas and, you know, I could stop selling it and put it to better use, but then I lose out. So I'm not going to do that. That is what. And that individual is the biggest cunt right now because they're stopping everyone. Yeah. <laughs> from doing anything. And that is what's fucking us up at the minute is because everything's a business, everything's an industry. Yeah, it's, it's a sociopathy, isn't it? It's like an ordered cult. Yeah, exactly. And those people are what is stopping us from making the changes that need to happen. You're not defined by what you do. Make these changes, then the rich are not going to get richer. No, they'll lose a lot of money because they've exploited the system to make money and they'll probably have to be the ones responsible for putting it back. But rightly so, you know. When you look at these... I mean, water companies, for fuck's sake, how psychopathic do you have to get? You take something everyone needs and monetize it. Yeah, charge them for it. Weaponize it. Make it so that some people can get it, some people can't get it. And then when you have got the infrastructure set up and everything's good and decent, well, guess what? They're going to save money instead of actually processing the sewage. They're just going to dump it to the sea. Yeah. It's all... Because money is associated with the shit we need, it's leaving a dirty stain on it. You can't have self-interest in a humanitarian job. It doesn't work. Ruins it. Make it crap. 
Well, I wish that this cup had alcohol in it. Well, that's easily remedied, right? <laughs> Drinking a cup of tea for this episode was a bad idea. Oh, <laughs> bad time. It's yeah, what it is, isn't it? Let's face it. I mean, that, let's not forget what brought us to this topic, and it's a news report from last week of some guy making homemade explosives because he's so fucking scared. Mm. That's what it comes down to, isn't it? Fear, like, stop being scared. Like, I know it sounds dumb and cliched, but every time you sit there and you're afraid of something or someone or some kind of ramifications, you're already making a decision that's weighted on a side. It's not it's biased it's not impartial you you haven't used all the information you swung one way and been rolled with it like even to what's what's going on now right a lot of the discussions are based on fear yeah and that's why we've got things like censorship and people going no you can't talk about that because we're scared of what might be said we're scared of what the truth might be so you end up with this non-discussion where everyone's just mutually scared and nothing happens like a stalemate freezes you that's not to say you can ignore the fear you've just got to use it and be better with it like it's a normal human reaction but we're not in a normal human environment anymore yeah that's the thing nothing because everything obviously everything changes everything progresses we've engineered and manipulated everything (laughs) like everything do you know what i mean everything is for our benefit as people even cattle farms crops water systems everything's for our benefit going back to how could you not have thought you'd impact something else course yeah. even if you're taking the water from like the desert well guess what the things that did live in the desert they don't anymore yeah it's, it's madness that fear is what stops us actually transcending those instincts and those primal sort of urges it's that fear that that catholic man probably didn't feel when he handed his notice in that made him able to do a reasonable decision when it came to a change of beliefs or ideals you know what i mean he didn't go and act out like a dickhead and start murdering everyone or taking out another people instead he changed himself and did something for himself which is the best way to do it without fucking everyone else up because you're too scared of what might happen if you do change I mean, like, you know, speaking on a more personal level, I've done that. Everyone has. I've you think I wasn't crippled by fear in my youth? Of course I was. I've gone through massive changes in my life to become the person I am now. Even now I have to check myself. You know, if I get a little too broke and I start getting worried and I trip my anxiety and I'm like, oh, no, hang on. Don't fall for this shit again. Because being scared about it just means you don't deal with the problem, which makes the problem worse. That anxiety, that fear, that's what um, originally taught me to practice like the occult. And that's what started me off meditating. Mm. I just read about it because I just found it interesting, but I never actually did any of it. 
and then I decided, you know what, this is supposed to be, this is a, a ritual, this is a magic ritual that's supposed to help me with this. So let's try it. And it worked. Yeah. And obviously me being me, I just didn't go, wow, magic's real. I was like, well, okay, so why did that work? And then Again, that, you could have looked at magic and your first instinct be to cast a curse on some motherfucker or something. But instead you did something for yourself to make yourself be better for you and for that around you. And that's kind of the key, isn't it? We can try and expect change from other people, but it comes from you. You You lead by example. You inspire others to do what you do. Or you inspire them in the opposite way when you're a business mogul who owns the oil and you say, guess what? I can be a self-serving piece of shit with no ramifications. You should do it too. We are in the end days. <laughs> oh yeah, I think we've got a bit of hope. <laughs> well, I'm kind of hoping, right? And this is the most absurd. But one thing we didn't talk about is divine intervention. What does won't that fall into the biblical apocalypse? Well, depends on the context. It's divine based on beyond you and your perception. If we were in a simulation, what if someone rewrote the code right. and changed the framework? You know, what if, uh, in the same way that like an asteroid could hit us and destroy us, an asteroid could also knock us to a place or knock another planet closer to us that we can then colonize that's got a similar thing or so on and so forth? Do you know what I mean? It, as much as all of these doomsday prophecies are likely and plausible. You have to look at the equal and opposite reaction on the other side and how it could actually be a benefit. And you realise that the world's fucking insane. (laughs) The universe is going to have its way with you. 2012, everything was supposed to end, wasn't it? 21st of December 2012. (laughs) That's just because they stopped counting, man. That was it. They didn't... They didn't like predict the end of anything. They just thought, like, why the fuck hell are we counting this long? Like, let's 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 just end the count. There's probably a guy sitting there trying to make every number ever, and he got way ahead of any number anyone would ever need. And they were just like, "Look, Jim, (laughs) stop now, all right? We're never gonna see those numbers, (laughs) right? You've done two o one two, right? There's six of us." (laughs) <laughs> and we're going to live 40 years tops all right this number we haven't even got a word for it yet <laughs> there's got to be someone sitting there who was so obsessed with the future that they've come up with all this stuff just unnecessarily <laughs> i just love the idea of jim the jim the mate <laughs> Yeah, he's sitting there like in his cave, just sort of had, you know, his his wife left him. He's on a bit of a downturn and he's just like, I've got to make all the numbers. I've got to have a purpose in life. And then Jim's mates are just like, look, Jim, we don't know what 2000 is. You have to stop. (laughs) None of us can count that high. It takes days. (laughs) I fucking love it. That's so funny. How do we, we wrote it down, but no one can have that many. There's only 10 <laughs> coconuts, Jim. 
there's only four bay leaves. We've got two and a half cows. (laughs) (laughs) And you want to get to a thousand, Jim? (laughs) To a hundred. It's like people that are a bit obsessed with uh, chemistry and start trying all the different compounds and everything else. And you're like, look, you don't know what bad you're going to make. Stop (laughs) it. It's exciting and it's fun and the science is interesting. But boom. (laughs) All right. But boom. See, but that'll be me. But I'll be trying to find a new way of getting high. That's all that'll be. Yeah, but then you end up with meth labs. And guess what? They go boom. (laughs) Everything goes boom. Pretty much. If you're not really good at science, it'll probably explode. That's the conclusion of this episode. (laughs) Everything goes boom. Yeah. Meteorites could go boom. Let's 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 start the conclusion. Let's start to conclude. Is the end of the world going to be caused by humans or is it going to be more natural? It's more likely to be people based, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. More likely, not guaranteed, more likely. But then maybe us knowing that is already shifted the balance. No, because there's a difference between knowing something and doing it. Yeah. I guess if people ever forget the dangers of nuclear weapons, then we've got a problem. If they forget things like Hiroshima and Nagasaki and they forget things like Chernobyl and various other Fukushima and all of these terrible disasters that have had lasting consequences. If ever we forget that, we're fucked. If we forget World War II, we're fucked. If we forget terrorists, we're fucked. (laughs) We're fucked. That's it. That's that's, that's the conclusion. We're fucked. But I mean, like, let's face it, everything has to come to an end, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it's entropy. That's the law of the universe. If we forget that, then... It is going to happen. It's just, is it going to happen sooner or is it going to happen later? And it's up to us to make sure it happens later. Was to try, anyway. We're already fighting the odds. I like it. It's a real game. I don't know if we'll see anything catastrophic in our lifetime. Well, I think that's relative. We kind of already have, haven't we? It won't be long after us. <laughs> I mean, we've already seen quite a lot of catastrophes in our lifetime, if you think about it. I mean, yeah. even what's going on now is technically going to be remembered for oh, years. Of course. We're going to talk about the great pandemic of the 20-whatevers. It was, yeah, it's definitely a, it's a history-making event. It's definitely going to be in the books. Again, all the wildfires across like the whole of Siberia and everything else, they were overshadowed by the pandemic. It doesn't mean they didn't happen. Yep, still happens, still happens. You know, random explosions here and there. The consistent state of warfare in the Middle East. The Amazon, the Amazon burning. Yeah, that too. The sea warming up. That's doing that. That's business. Of course. So yeah. So yeah, forget business as you know it and come up with business in an ethical sense where you stop being a sociopath and practicing sociopathic behaviors under the guise that it's good for business because guess what murder's good for business so we leave it there <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> i was trying to sort of indirectly threat of what they're asking for 
without any kind of intention to fulfill. Doesn't make it good though, you know, being a dickhead's being a dickhead, no matter what kind of paintbrush you brush it with. Yeah. If only people could see the grin on your face right now. Yeah, it's purple. Purple. Yeah, I'm telling them off that it matters and they might listen. But to be honest, if there is any billionaire oil tycoon listening to this, fuck me. Stop trying to get into space. Fix the fucking planet. You you can. <laughs> you've got the... Well, that's the conflict, isn't it? If they listen to this, we've already failed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter. The simulation was a bust. <laughs> eject, eject, download, reset. <laughs> Restore system. Oh, so funny. Restore date. 0101. 2000. Beep. Oh, God. I wonder how many restore points the simulation has. Well, how have you turned this into a simulation episode again? Everything's a simulation. <laughs> even the stuff that is not a simulation, even <laughs> the things that you came up with, you still designed the simulation for something else. And that is not a simulation, though. Isn't it? I'll tell you, there is there, there is one thing that is not a simulation. It's got nothing at all to do with the simulation. Are you ready? Yeah. The fact that you can join in this conversation on social media by looking for the Sheeple Show podcast on your Facebooks and your Instagrams. We're not on Twitter, but you can do the Fly by Pants pod on Twitter. What do you think? What do you think? Are we in the middle of the end of the world? Is it happening soon? Is it happening later? Can we stop it? Or is it going to be caused by humans? Come on, let us know. And also, don't play with things that go boom. Don't play with things that go boom. (laughs) But that dude, I love him and I want to meet him. Yeah, I'd I'd still say don't play with things that go boom. I want to know which apocalypse he was preparing for and let's like let's put this out and goes you know i think i accidentally said his surname i didn't say his full name when i was reading the article i didn't uh, catch if if you're listening if you are the man from haywards heath that caused us to have this conversation yeah, come have a chit chat get in touch you can email me directly at andy at flybypants.com yeah have a chit chat about it like at the end of the day talk to you and we would love to have you on the show this is you know yeah. him because, like, you know, Hayward's Heath, it's not that far. We know somebody who knows him. So We know, we know everybody who knows everybody who knows everybody else. If you want your, to tell your story, Roy, from the, we will do a special episode with you as a special guest. I'm so down with that. Yeah, that'd be cool. But obviously, you know, depending on whether he's up for it, we don't want to stress the poor man out. Absolutely love to do that. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Because he's with things that do I think even he'd advocate that, to be honest. Now, <laughs> he's like, like, I, was, I mean, even the police have just said, yeah, there was no danger. Like, he wasn't going to use them against anyone. He was just getting ready. He was preparing them. Yeah, it's kind of like having a it's C4 explosive like, in your house with no intention of ever blowing I, down a door. 
last week, when I went back home to see my family, my bag was packed three days before. It's basically the same as that. <laughs> yeah. It's just packed. Yeah, it's just for room. In, instead of uh, instead of putting boxer shorts in a bag, it was more of where I'm going to put all this stuff into this. <laughs> My packing mentality is just to take everything. <laughs> like if I've got everything and I'm not missing anything, right? <laughs> I've never gone on holiday with you. <laughs> I, I don't go on holiday for that reason because I can't take everything with me. Sure, your culture might be nice and appealing, but I can't take everything with me. Yeah, but do you have my bedroom? <laughs> yeah, how do I get my Wizard of Oz house to fly? <laughs> I love it. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy call, calling that a day on the apocalypse. Or a night. Or a night. Before the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs>